Danger, danger. The following contains explicit content. Please use caution while you are tuned in. You're listening to CFRC 1019 FM here in Kingston, and welcome to Screening in Kingston. Why Dion's going out with a high school boy? They're like dogs. You have to clean them and feed them, and they're just like these nervous creatures that jump and slobber all over you. Ew! Get off of me! Ugh, as if! That's alright! That's okay! You're gonna pump our gas someday! That's alright! That's okay! You're gonna pump our gas someday! But her not Janie Briggs! Look at that. She's got paint on her overalls. What is that? Guys, there's no way she could be prom queen. Look, I can't take out her sister until Kat starts dating. You see, their dad's whacked out. He's got this this rule where the girls are... That's a touching story. It really is. Not my problem. You want to see the most beautiful thing I've ever filmed? No, I just want you to know that it's a a perfectly normal uh, thing. Hey, you. Anything happens to my daughter, I got a 45 and a shovel. I doubt anybody would miss you. I bought some magazines. Well, this is the this is the uh, female form. Save it, Dad. Save it. Save what? You got the opportunity of a lifetime. You treat like a West Canaan is not the opportunity of a lifetime. It's wrong. Your tone of voice is wrong. This is your opportunity for here. you. Playing football at West Canaan may have been the opportunity of your lifetime, but I don't want your life. So, obviously, we're doing a 90s episode (laughs) by the sounds of those clips. I don't want your laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And in honor of our 90s episode, I am wearing my most 90s outfit. Our listeners can't see me, but I'll paint a word picture. It is a red plaid dress um, with a white t-shirt underneath, spaghetti straps. I call it my Christmas in Seattle 1994. So a little bit earlier than the movies we're talking about, but, you know, 90s fashions are in. I think the the listeners know what I'm wearing. Uh, As everyone can hear, uh, Taylor is here. Uh, (laughs) And I am here as well. We are also joined by special guest, back by popular demand, Matt Salton. How are you, Matt? I'm special. Good. (laughs) Relief that the mic's working. Yes, I am, and thank you for that sound level. (laughs) That was good. Um, So, yes, as Taylor said, we're doing a a sort of a 90s-themed, specifically teen movies from 1995 to 2001 with a special focus on 1999 because a lot of teen movies that really were quite popular and maybe are... Can be, could be considered iconic, or certainly of that generation for for these types of movies. They've you know they've been around and they're celebrating twenty years now, which it's is kind true. of interesting. I um, read a couple of think pieces. Um, apparently, nineteen ninety nine was the last good year for movies. So I've heard that too, and I don't particularly agree. I think we've had a couple years in the past couple of years that have had some really amazing movies come out. But, but I agree in the terms of like breath like when you there's look, a lot of really I'm good gonna, movies in 99 we're gonna talk about the box office comparisons and you just see like it's astounding the amount of movies that came out in 99 that are good mm-hmm. you know what i there's mean there's a lot of bad ones though too well you but know we'll 
We'll talk about it. We'll, we'll get to it. Um, so yeah, how this this episode is going to be a lot different than than um, what we normally do. But we're doing this for several reasons. One, we like to change things up every once in a while. But two, um, we know with new listeners coming on through the podcast stream uh, that we want to give people a taste of something uh, different and new and something that maybe will catch new people's eyes. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're we're doing this. So um, yeah, the three of us are here to to chat about movies. We're going to really focus on six movies. Um, from 1999 but also kind of go through uh, some general comments from from that time period we're also going to all tell you how old we were in 1999 <laughs> we're going to do that as well that's fun yeah should we, we just, do it now yeah we yeah let's do it now so let's taylor let's start with you how old were you in 1999 i was seven okay i was 12 matt we can't swear right that's correct <laughs> <laughs> please please keep it uh, no no swearing i was older than mike <laughs> Great. <laughs> so, so you can use can your, you, let's can, just say today I can play easily play a dad of a teen character in a 2019 teen movie. Okay. There you go. Fair enough. There you go. We'll 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 keep with that. Um, keep your secrets, as yeah. Frodo Baggins would say. So to kick things off, before we dive into the movies, Taylor brought along something that I find really interesting, and we have had people write in about box office um, reports and information. So we have a, a little comparison chart. Do you want to introduce it, Taylor? Yeah. So I um, kind of compared the t- top 10 box office uh, films of 99 with 2018. It would have been nice if we could do 2019 if we were closer to the end of the year, but obviously it's too soon to tell. Um, I kind of think box office numbers are almost a better read of film as opposed to award season because it kind of tells you what um, like the mass, like the public was going to see. Like sure. they paid money to see these movies. So anyways, 1999. So, number one, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. So, there's an example of a bad movie that came out in 1999. Was <laughs> and the it Phantom being top. And it being the top one. So, but Star Wars, even now, is a box office draw. Like Absolutely. it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Absolutely. And this was the first reinstallment yeah. after the 70s. So, mm-hmm. I remember, I remember that one being on TV. Oh yeah, I remember going to it. Jar Jar Banks, is that? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, let's just move on. Yeah, number two is The Sixth Sense. Okay. Um, uh, number three, Toy Story 2. <laughs> okay. Um, number four, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Which we discussed is the second Austin Powers. We're pretty movie. sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so a nice little Canadian connection. Number five, The Matrix, another Canadian connection. Um, I'm Who's saying Canadian in The Matrix? Keanu Reeves. He's Canadian? Yeah. Are you sure? <laughs> He's like a Canadian American citizen. So is Carrie Ann Moss. Oh, oh really? I there you go. I You're not know. a very good patriot. What's <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very good Canadian? Why? Because I don't know. Tarzan number six. Tarzan also Canadian connection. I'm pretty sure Brandon Fraser. Brand is he not? He's the not voice? in Tarzan. No. Oh, I thought he was the voice. No, of he, that's he's George of the Jungle. jungle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, Great just, movie. Yeah. Oh, I love George of the Jungle. Yeah, George of the Jungle. <laughs> Would that be Disney's Tarzan? Yeah, the animated one. Okay. Yeah. So the ones that Phil Collins did the music for. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I don't think Phil Collins when I think of Tarzan. No? Uh, I no. don't. 
That's, no. how, that's how I think of Phil oh, Collins. Oh, he did the music for yeah. it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I thought you said he played Tarzan. No, he didn't play Tarzan. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah. In terms of casting, I too yeah. don't think Yeah, I agree Collins. with you on that. When I think of Tarzan, I don't think so. I think, I definitely think Brendan Fraser way before. Yeah, George of the Jungle. <laughs> when did George of the Jungle come out? 97, maybe? Yeah, that was a 90s movie, I think. Oh, wasn't great it? movie. It I was guess before that's... the Tarzan. Yes, I believe so. Because that was the only real Tarzan movie we had for a while was George of the Jungle. <laughs> And it was a good one. We didn't need another one. I love that movie. Um, number seven, we have Big Daddy. Do you guys remember that one? Big Daddy. Is that Adam, Adam Sandler? Sandler. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, And he has that little boy. Oh, yeah. I didn't really like that movie. Mike, we're a little too in sync today. I don't know, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I know. Normally, we're arguing. I don't Yeah. <laughs> well, we still have plenty of time to That's argue. That's right. Number eight, The Mummy. Here's our Canadian connection, because Mr. Frazier is in The Mummy. Yes. Yes, he's in the mummy. Yes, yeah, yeah. You're talking. Yeah, this is the the first mummy yes, movie. Yeah, yeah, the Great first installment. Um, one of my movie. favorite movies. Just yeah. rewatch all the time. Number nine, Runaway Bride, which in my mind seems older than ninety nine, because it's Julia Roberts. Yeah, and she was just and Richard Gere again, right? Yeah, they were that? just cranking yeah. these movies out yeah. since ninety one. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Every couple of years, you get another one with them. Yeah. And the tenth is the Blair Witch Project. Hmm. Which kind of goes to show how much of a cultural phenomenon that movie was. I'm surprised it's it's in the top ten. Yeah, but it's that's the movie we have to thank for like paranormal and <laughs> all of those. So, but I th- I the Blair Witch in my opinion holds up. I watched it for the first time in my church basement. I never really liked it to begin with. I was okay with it. It was like just a so-so. Right. But. I took my grandmother to see it and told her Get it was real. Out. <laughs> <laughs> and did she believe you? Yes. <laughs> Until the credits. Okay. And then she was like, but wait, why are there credits? <laughs> what do you mean, actor? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's the best story. We can end the show now knowing that you took your grandmother. Uh, I mean, we can. We need to fill 50 more minutes. But, yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's compare it to 2018. And I think there's uh, uh, there's a lot to unpack. It's just a, such a stark difference. But um, number one is Black Panther. Number two is Aven- Avengers Infinity Wars. Mm-hmm. That's the one with the purple guy, right? Yeah, his name is Th- yeah. Thanos. With the glove. Anyway. <laughs> Number three. Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> Number three is Incredibles 2. Number four is Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Five is Aquaman. Six is Deadpool 2. Seven is Dr. Seuss's The Grinch. So the remake of the, or, you know, the new with Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. Which is weird to me, but okay. I didn't realize it did that well at the box um, office. Eight, Mission Impossible Fallout, which I heard was quite good. I, I really liked it. I've me heard too. that it's like yeah, a really liked it. Re, relaunching the Mission Impossible series. Um, number nine, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Mm-hmm. Marvel. And ten, Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> so I just feel like um, comparing it from 99 to uh, 2018, I feel like uh, the genre, we don't have as much genre representation with 2018. It's definitely like Marvel still owns the box office. Absolutely. Um, as it should. There's not like a ton of a, I don't think there's a single original story on here. 2018, uh, unless you count Bohemian Rhapsody, no. which is like an at, which... No, you wouldn't get It's like that. a biopic, right? So no original storytelling. Well, Mission Impossible is, I mean, obviously based on the TV show, but the script is, a re- like, it wasn't a remake of a storyline. Right. It was new. But yes, it would. everything has an IP that existed. You know, like Six Sense is yeah. an original story. Yeah. Blair Witch Project is an original story. We have horror represented in 99. So I long for the days of 1999. <laughs> 
I mean, this is what this is though film quality wise. Okay, the point that I think I can glean from that list is there's there are some there are some duds on that top box office. Of course, we can't always trust the public to know Um, what's good for them. But I I honestly. I'm going to put my fandom aside for a moment. Okay. But I'm still going to say, looking at Black Panther and looking at Infinity War, those are achievements in filmmaking. And those are achievements in storytelling. And they have strong structures. And there's a lot of great things you can glean from those. So I I would stack them up against other high-quality movies if you eliminate the what scares a lot of people away is the denseness of the stories mm-hmm. and having to have such a background. I understand and get those stories more because of that background. But I still think there's a lot of achievement still within those things. Yeah, I predict that, like, you know, hundreds of years from now, that, like, the Marvel stories will be the new Shakespeare. I I, I really do. I feel like, you know, we have the snobbery around comic book movies. But, like, in all honesty, you've got everything in there. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's storytelling on an operatic level, especially the, the like you said, Black Panther and, and the latest Avengers. I mean, mm-hmm. God, like they're riveting. You could take anyone, you wouldn't, you don't have to be familiar with the material to go and enjoy that film. Like, you know, the stakes of like losing like half of the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's, that's a riveting storyline and it had everything yeah. you, you could ever want in, in a film. It had like romance, it had adventure and it had horror and, yeah, I mean, and that's to me that's what when I look at films and when I think of a quality film, it comes away with it made me either feel something or understand an emotion or understand a moment and I think certainly Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War and Captain America Civil War do that, I think, where if you sit someone down who doesn't have the context, I think they can make people feel things. I think you can feel some of the impact. Like Infinity War and Captain America Civil War have more of an emotional stake than Black Panther does. But still, I think there's a lot in there that I, I never thought of it that way, actually, about the, the comparison to, to Shakespeare and looking at the stories in that way. But I think there is a lot to, to look at in these stories. In there, and they're much more dense than I think they're giving credit for. I mean, I... I'm sure many listeners, Erica included, would consider me a movie snob, and that's okay. No, Erica, um, <laughs> Erica has her own opinions of you, though. Um, so. But I don't. I'm I'm not an an elitist in the sense. I think there's nothing wrong with superhero movies. I just feel like we don't have the breadth of storytelling that we had in the 90s. Oh, I agree with that for um, sure. Because studios are no longer willing to have sort of. Um, they're like mid like middle-of-the-line mm-hmm. movies. Like, mm-hmm. that's why there was so, I guess, so many good and bad movies in 99. It was because, you know, they were willing to give um, young directors budgets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and not, like... Yes, million dollars budgets, but not like the budget of like Black Panther, right? The middle class movie has disappeared. Yeah. It's either a $150 million budget or under $5 million budget. You don't get the, okay, this is a movie for, for $50, $60 million. And I feel like because of that, we don't get as many different stories totally. as we had earlier um, in film history. And so I personally would like us to kind of shift gears and go back um, away from, because we're kind of in like a late stage golden age of hollywood like late 1950s that's what we saw in the 1950s film history where it was all these big big ticket mm-hmm. you know everything was huge unless it was like a b movie at the drive-in so i don't know i'd like 
I'd like our studio system to collapse so that we can reorganize and we can fund smaller projects again. So don't you think, though, that movies like Us and jo the work that Jordan Peele's doing, it, it, doesn't that give you hope that it is going? Oh, I mean, yeah. Us, like, Especially genre work. Like, I'm so glad that a horror movie is yeah. having its quote-unquote renaissance. I don't like to use that word, but... I am but box office wise, it certainly is having a renaissance. I don't think Pet Cemetery's the remake of Pet Cemetery is coming out this weekend. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Child's Play is being revamped. So, but Get Out and Us are yeah, originals. New, new um, Wit, The Witch, a couple years ago, It Follows. These are all really yeah. great, kind of low budget. Yeah, Hereditary. You all, didn't like Hereditary. I didn't like Hereditary. Oh, um, I but like Hereditary. I can appreciate hereditary for what it's doing for the genre yeah that it made horror mainstream and that critics began engaging with it um on a more critical ground the way they should have instead of being like oh it's it's another stephen king whatever well whatever, and, so. and even though it was a, the, the, the movie it was a stephen king book and was a tv series before i mean that it that movie i think Again, it's also like a prestige helped. it's a, pre it's a yeah, prestige project it, I, I think they by having again it goes back to quality you have to make a big movie the best it can possibly be. And if it's a good quality movie, it'll stand the test of time. When a genre dies, it's because too many poor quality movies were being made. And usually that's studio interference. It's not mm -hmm. directors or the, the artists that are the fault there. It's the studios who are interfering. But I think by having It and Get Out and now Us, like I think these movies and Hereditary, I think these movies are starting to to turn that genre around in a, in a positive way. Like I think we will mm -hmm. see something shift in that. But again, let's maybe, you know have some more rom-coms too and more mm. not just in i think <laughs> said nobody <laughs> yeah, yeah who wants more rom-coms rom but no rom-coms were used to be a box office draw yeah so like, what was the, the last good rom-com the fact we... that runaway bride was number nine in terms of top grossing films in 99 like not a like runaway bride's not my favorite um rom-com but it goes to show that People are willing to buy tickets to did see. Did we have com. one this year? Like, did last was there? A well, it's the one, the one with. Um, oh, I never remember her name. She was in Bridesmaids. Rebel Wilson. Rebel Wilson, yeah, with the one where they made fun of rom coms. That was this year. That was this year. That was last month. Didn't oh. make much of a splash. Yeah, so it. But, but the since, reviews were fairly decent on it. Yeah, but I just feel like like no one I knew went to go see it, and like my friends are all rom com. Well, normally January and Fe the reason why I asked normally January and February is when the rom coms would be coming out in and around Valentine's. I think that Day, was the only think, one. Yeah, I can't think of another one. But also, rom coms are notoriously like savaged by critics. Like mm -hmm. there, you don't see too many good ones. And I, I mean, in the case of Runaway Bride, the reason why that was so popular wasn't it was because Pretty Woman was such a like mega mega yeah. smash people were just really looking forward to seeing julia roberts and richard Gere in another film together i don't think the genre itself i think was like an afterthought people wanted to see these you know this is still back when we had superstars mm -hmm. you know. the charisma that's right well, um, we're gonna move on because we've got a <laughs> we, we've got we've got a lot to talk about. So, but and anyway, I can I, complain about our no, current I, studio I, system for days. I don't think you disagree, and I think I actually think the as much as harm is going to be caused by the by the Disney Fox merger, I also think it's going to do what you're saying. I think the Disney Fox merger will mean Disney will pump out the things that it wants to, but smaller micro studios are going to pop up to give people. They're going to have to, and they and they will become popular. And I think that's where you're going to see the mid-level movie return. So, 
I agree. Let's talk about some movies. Let's talk about some movies. Okay, so we are looking at teen movies from 1995, 2001, specifically in the 1999. So we've each kind of, we each watched two movies, essentially, in, in the six block of, of 99 movies. But I want to quickly run through some of the other movies and see if either of you have seen them, talk a little bit about them. We'll just do this for like 10 minutes or something. Um so 1995 we start off with clueless not only have i seen it it's one of my favorite movies clue so matt any clueless connections there um yeah absolutely um uh, paul rudd i mean yep <laughs> who's yum, ageless yum 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 doesn't he look exactly the same though he I does so. he's a vampire <laughs> he's aging that was well. 20 years ago <laughs> it is kind of you know the one thing that's always weird about clueless is the paul rudd because he's like the older kind of a stepbrother but not like but, a stepbrother anymore <laughs> but i yeah i yeah. thought but they're not related by blood no but they were at one time steps oh siblings. i see right right and I then um uh, shares dad divorces paul rudd's mom and now he just like hangs around the house it sounds like probably because he's obsessed with Cher. So like, it's kind of a weird and he's like, he's in university and she's like 16. So. Oh, you really know this movie. Well, Oh, I watch it like two times a year. Oh man. And I yeah, think there's about a power it dynamic a problem. In it is. Relationship. And no one, I feel like no one. And like, I've never seen any like articles kind of <laughs> addressing the fact that he, and he even calls her kind of, he calls her like immature and like kind of dumb for her interests, and it's like, well, you're a 21 year old university yeah, student, and she's a 16. She's a 16 year old high schooler. Of course, she likes Beavis and Butthead, but like, whatever. That's my one issue with Clueless is that it's like you want them to get together, but at the same time, you're like mm, cringy. <laughs> but isn't it supposed to? be be it's supposed to be sort of an adaptation of sorts of Jane Austen's Emma so that's maybe, true I've never read Emma or seen the movie but it, maybe the love interest is older and and somehow related yeah in fact probably in Jane Austen's time they're probably Cousins. a cousin <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably which brings up a good point I feel like all of the best teen movies are adaptations of like a like adult quote unquote mm -hmm. literature, we can get to that later. Like ten things I had about you, yeah. cruel intentions. I mean, clueless. I think I think the idea of that is is kind of a smart one. I mean, you're drawing from a story that probably doesn't relate to that age group, and you're making it work for them. Um, she's all that Pygmalion. <laughs> she's all that. Yeah, she's that. Even even she's all that's based on a classic yeah, literature. We're gonna so. get there. Um, anyway, very quickly. So the other movies leading us up to 1999 uh, the, that I kind of chose to include in this list: The Craft, another one of my favorites. Can't hardly wait, and Pleasantville. Pleasantville, I watched in like a grade ten religion class. I really enjoyed Pleasantville. I remember watching that a couple times. I had it on VHS. I remember. I don't. We like compared it to The Giver. Because, you know, it's, like, black and white. And no. then when they get, like, when they become, like, awoken no, no, no. to, like, emotions. No, no, no. The giver, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. The Pleasantville, they're sucked into a black and white television world. And then when the emotions come through, yes, they, there's a... But the giver, it's it's a post-apocalyptic, futuristic world. It's different. Like it's, Yeah, but both societies are devoid because they're, like, conformist societies and then when they introduce there's a lot of you need to but pleasantville go is not back a, to well, your pleasantville is not a real society though 
it's a television show. That's the whole point. They Let's sucked agree it. to disagree. We don't have time to get into this, but let me tell you, there are parallels between the Gabriel Fine. Plaza you, bill. You, you're, what, what was it? You saw this with your church group? No, this was in school. Oh, this was we in made school. the okay. comparison okay. between well, the two. Okay, well, then your class and, and also, um, I disagree. And also the Truman Show. Like, all three, we kind of did a lot of comparison. The Truman Show is a great movie, too. I wonder if that came out in 99. <laughs> well, the Truman Show... Okay, that's fine. We're not going to get into this. The Truman Show again is is a, it's a it's a constructed reality for someone else. The giver that that is their reality. I don't understand why that's your hang up. Because it make it changes everything about the whole it's it, it changes the whole context of the world. But humans are still humans whether or not they're in a constructed reality or if it's a dystopic society. Like the humans we're still treating them as regular humans. True, and like in and the Giver, which I haven't seen, but I I know what it's about. I mean, it's still manipulated. No. Okay, the book's better than the movie. <laughs> sk- skip, skip the movie and read the book. Like the book is way better than the movie. Um, but it's still it's still it's still it's it's still a reality that's shaped by some sort of dictator. Yeah. Yes. Anyways, what? <laughs> what were the other two movies that you mentioned in that? The Craft and Can't Hardly Wait. Okay, so I'm going to go out on a limb and say I don't understand the appeal of The Craft. I've tried watching it again recently, and it's incredibly disappointing. I think I think it's one of those quote-unquote horror movies that they were so afraid of like getting an R rating that they played it very safe. And so it's not really that horror-able in any way i mean there's no i don't think that anyone dies um or if they do i mean it's it's some of those forgettable movies i think also like it gets compared a lot to like like the boy equivalent which would be like the lost boys and so Mm. it's like substitute uh substitute uh the boys and vampires with girls and witches fair enough and i think that maybe i compare it too much to lost boys which is like a far superior yes lost boys I always am saying how much I love Lost Boys. I guess I was, um, like, Catholic school girl, like, going up against authority when you're, like, like 14 in a Catholic high school. Like, I really identified with the craft. And, like, so did my best friend. And, you know, she went through, like, her pagan phase because of this movie. Um, I don't know. I guess, you know, I can understand, though, not getting it, but... I don't know. I like the witches and the Catholic school girls. And <laughs> it's silly, but yeah. it's fun. And also, I will say, I will give a shout out to Frieza Balk for being, for, for bringing the, the fierce, fierceness to her role. I think she was, she was quite terrifying. She doesn't and, hold anything and back. I, and I have a feeling she's quite terrifying in real life. <laughs> The thing you have to understand about the Truman Show is, is that they're constructed. <laughs> We've moved on, Mike. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, okay, so we're talking about witches now. <laughs> yeah, witches well, and vampires. And we're gonna move on again because we got to go to 1999. So into 1999, there are six movies we're gonna focus on. Ten Things I Hate About You, She's All That, Cruel Intentions, American Pie, Varsity Blues, and American Beauty. So we're can gonna... we say this is the year of the teen comedy? Um, I, I certainly think there was n- there wasn't another year that I could find that had this amount of of teen movies and this amount of teen comedy. It's certainly like American Pie and Ten Things I Hate About You still get referenced and talked about today, and I oh, think yeah. a lot of people know those. So I think yeah, I definitely think there was, there was certainly a lot that came out during this year. It's great. So we're gonna start. Basically, what we did was assign. I well, other than Taylor who poached, t- poached the ones the, I wanted. The ones that 
I don't know. I was going to assign to everyone, but then Taylor was oh like, well, God. I want these two. You could have and told then, me. I know, but I just, you jumped on it first. So then I assigned Matt what was left. And so let's oh. start with 10 things I hate about you, which Taylor rewatched and is going to focus on. Yeah. Well, right? yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Okay. I'm going to focus on. Okay. Well, I, I thought, do you want to start with that? Yeah. So it's based on Taming of the Shrew. Yes, Which um, I'm not very. Everything I know about Taming the Shrew, I know from Ten Things I Hate About You. Oh, okay, it's very. So, it is very. Similar. It's a faithful. Oh yes. Adaptation. I mean, there's obvious changes. To, it's way more faithful than um, the Amanda Bynes one that's based on uh, the soccer one. Yeah, what's, what's that? that? She's com- the man. She's the man. Which, which is, is a good. Yeah, teen but, comedy. Yes, and it's based on. Um, oh. The other Shakespeare, I can't remember. The name I don't know. Um, I always glossed yeah. over the Shakespeare in high school. Yeah, but ten things I hate about you, based on Taming the Shrew. Yeah, it's pretty. And this yeah. was kind of I, I. As you like it. Yes. Oh, no. Yeah. No. It's not as you like it, mm. but it's similar. One of the comedies. Yeah. <laughs> it's the it's the one where where she, she dresses, dresses up, up like, like her like her twin brother. Yeah. For for but I can't remember the name of it because and the, the when I was at Queens they did the drama department did this and I I still can't remember it. Well, that's your failing. Yeah. That you don't remember. <laughs> yes, I know. Um, ten things I hate about you. I could be wrong. I think this is Heath Ledger's like first, um, uh, maybe not first like on screen role, but definitely like one of his first like American roles. It kind of like launched his career mm-hmm. in North America. Mm-hmm. Um, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yep. Again, I think it's he was. He was on a TV show. He was at the on time. Uh, Third Rock from the Sun, was, but this yeah. was kind of like the first time uh, we saw him. And then Julia Stiles, who was very active in the '90s, but we don't see her. I think she's transitioned to television now. Um, she was huge in the '90s for oh, these yeah. types of movies. She was in a lot of stuff. I don't. Maybe just she kind of has that like non-offensive look. Like you know what I mean? Like what? she's. She's, like, approachable. Yeah, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to go so far as to say bland, but, like, you you know, they can... I I know what you mean, though. She, She's not... In these types of movies, when you think of the leading man and the leading woman, I I think your brain goes to a certain type that you're going to see, especially in the 90s. But, yeah, I think she maybe was the type where we want a relatable... Mm-hmm. you know person in this role but yeah I, she she did i think three or four of these movies like i know down save, to you she was in that save the last dance she's in, she's it. in the, yeah, she's save the last lead dance. oh it was 12th night thank you matt <laughs> <laughs> i know there's going to be listeners who are like shouting at the yeah yeah, the 12th shakespeare night. yeah thank you for yeah, either they're night. really into shakespeare they're really into amanda Bynes, and either way they're <laughs> one, like How one of the two dare yeah you? yeah um, I think 10 Things I Hate About You, maybe more than any of the other ones, really stands up. Like, I feel like you could watch this now, and it's it has a great... Um, I don't think it's... The dad isn't Dan Aykroyd, but it's the actor that looks like Dan Aykroyd. Uh, yes, and he was also <laughs> in another... T- he was he's in a, a couple other teen movies a, during the time. He was, he was always the dad. He's a character actor from the 90s. Yeah. He gives, like, a very solid performance of, like really loving father but also like really bumbling like i just feel like a really like really solid dad performance that carries well into the 2000s um amazing chemistry between heath ledger and julia styles even though julia styles is kind of like unoffensive maybe that's why they have good (laughs) chemistry (laughs) joseph gordon levitt gives like a really good comedic performance with his little buddy that's also in the santa claus yes um (laughs) so i don't know i just have Maybe, like, sometimes it's hard to 
um, review these movies now because you have like a lot of nostalgia for the film. So like I'm very easy to forgive. Like so for instance, like The Craft, like I'm very easy to forgive. It's more glaring um uh, faults but I feel like with 10 things I hate about you like I can't really find like I don't think I'm being overly um apologetic with 10 things I hate about you like I think it's just like a good teen film it has that really emotional scene with Julie Stiles when she's yeah, listing the, the, the 10 po- things the she hates about him yeah. Yeah, yeah uh great performance by like that inner city teacher who's not inner city like, I don't know, it's everything you want in a 90s movie, and it does it well. Yeah, to me, the biggest sin that this movie has, which a lot of, of movies of this time have, is the big romantic gestures that are unrealistic, and even when you try them, people reject you anyway, so it doesn't matter. Like, right? I, like, this this taught a young teen, Mike, to, <laughs> to do these huge grand romantic gestures, and they that, that people actually don't want that. They think you're creepy and weird. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've th- the other movie I could think of right off the bat that does that is uh, Never Been Kissed. Absolutely. And, at the baseball uh, game? At the baseball game, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, absolutely. And, and it's, that's what I really liked about I know, Mike, you really liked uh, Love, Simon, too. Yeah. But yeah. I like that the modern teen movie, that grand romantic gesture gets shot down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely. That's exactly. And that's exactly what Love, Simon did. But that's something that I mean, doesn't tec- work. Uh, the first, the, in the first, first, yes. the first, there's two grand romantic gestures in Love, Simon. But. But even the, even the, even the well. big one at the end of Love, Simon is still like subtler and it's because of a crowd gathering that it makes it a big deal. But in the, you can't you can't steal a PA system and sing a song to someone and think it's going to go well. Like it's just that just it, it doesn't. So I, don't know. I never thought that was like realistic, though. Like I well, just thought it was like a cute. Yeah. Like, but when when you're OK, Taylor, when you're a 14 year old guy and you're just you you're know, taking notes yeah you're taking notes and like and and the the, the world is just confusing, confusing you 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 know what do girls what you want have. exactly what do they girls want? want and you're doing your research and you think this is it and then you make a fool of yourself i think julia styles is embarrassed by that grand romantic gesture and i think she might turn him down the first time doesn't matter because it it, it just like all uh, like this always happened it, it like sows a seed in there that eventually comes to fruition and it never it never does in real life that's that's my whole point but otherwise i agree that with would you. be like a, a criticism of the whole genre yes that's what that's why i'm saying like that's really the only i think major thing in this movie that i can remember that I, I had an issue with it, but that's just, again, that's a personal reason. But the rest of the movie, I agree with you. I think it does stand up. I think it really holds up, and I think the story's still very interesting. I think you can still watch it today. And I don't think it's preachy. You know how sometimes teen movies can, like, verge on the way of being a little, like, after-school special? Like, there is some emotionally heavy stuff that they deal with in the film, and I never, I don't think it's, like, cheesy the way they do it. So that's also a plus. Anything else before we move on to the next? No, movie? go watch, go rewatch your DVD of Ten Things I Hate About You, or if we you're Nicole you Stavakowski, you watch your VHS because I know Nicole has a VHS of it still. I I still have VHSs and I still have a, a VCR slash DVD player. My VCR broke so. this year. You know what broke it? Shrek. <laughs> Shrek. <laughs> I'm sure he didn't do it on purpose. He's just awkward. Okay, so the next movie is She's All That. Well, that's me. That's yeah. Matt. Matt watched. I assigned. She's all that to Matt. Okay. So as we established earlier, I am. I was a grown ass man during this period um, when she's all that. <laughs> you came had out. more important things to. do. I had more important things to do. Yes. So, um, so this last night I watched. She's all that. Um, so, um, so, 
probably not the demographic it was made for. Um, so I just had a couple of uh, points. So it's essentially She's All That is um, it's about a, um, a very popular boy at at school played by Freddie Prince Jr. Uh, and um, <clears throat> he uh, he's I believe he was a soccer player. Um, and not a football player, which I f was the first time I thought, oh, this is different, a different yes, sport. Soccer, yeah. um, to me, that's kind of lame. That wouldn't be a draw. What? Well, I think, Freddie, I think we all real recognize that Freddie Prince Jr. would be crushed playing football. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, um, he would be snapped like He's a more of a sensitive. <laughs> but they might as well have made him like a tennis player. <laughs> tennis? Well, it's a, tennis is not a team sport. No. Fair. Well, unless you're playing doubles. Yeah, I guess doubles, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so in any case, yeah, so so Zach, his name is Zach, because of course it is. Of course. Zach, is, Zach and his buddies, um, Dean, played by dreamy Paul Walker, uh, and... Um, uh, well, let's just leave it at that. Um, so, anyway, so they've decided that they can. there's a bet to make uh, any girl into prom queen. And into enter Rachel Lee Cook as uh, Lainey Boggs, the angsty uh, art student, socially conscious. Uh, she uh, draws paintings of sad clowns and speaks of tragedies in Mogadishu. And uh, she basically raises her little brother because her dad is a dad loser. <laughs> and uh, and she wears glasses, and that's pretty much and has a, a ponytail and a ponytail and coveralls and coveralls. Yeah, and and so <laughs> they decide that she's the most hideous girl in school, and that's that's going to be the project. And she so, paints. That's her big thing. She's a painter. <laughs> yeah. So she. I mean, the whole it's just it's so misogynistic. Absolutely. And like, I don't know. And then Clea Duvall was in it, and she's like one of my favorite '90s character actresses and she's always playing a snarly lesbian so she plays a bully in it and it's the most satisfying thing in the whole uh the whole film was was uh laney getting her revenge on clay duvall at a party where she's passed out and you think she's going to be nice to her because she's throwing up everywhere and she's like oh I was, this is where the nerdy person befriends the bully but no she paints her face into good. a clown that's good. And um, yeah, but I mean, it's it's very '90s. There's references to they're talking about the one one candidate for 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 the re, for the um, uh, makeover as someone who looks like Chelsea Clinton. Um, there's a guy who's in the real world. Um, there's like a flash mob dance sequence to Fat Boy of Slim. Of um, there's hacky sack performance art. Um, you know? Yeah, I feel like. The '90s were unashamed of being '90s. Well, there was, this, but there like, was a structure. Like, there's a structure to these types of movies that you have to have your your montage, like a flash dance moment. You have to have your montage just, of a character. But like, like, I mean, like in terms of like pop culture throwbacks. Oh, for you sure. know what I mean? I feel like now, like movies don't necessarily have as many pop culture references uh, and like callbacks to like specific bands, specific songs whereas like 90s music like or 90 movies you know you're in the 90s because of the slang the turn like the bands they're referencing like again in 10 things i about, hate about you they're like oh she's a riot girl bikini kill that's the kind of music she listens to and you don't see those kind of references and you do but the thing is is that they're actually referencing the same things they're referencing in 80s and 90s movies which is really strange like riverdale is full of pop cultural references but they're not from the the time period that they live in which is 
bizarre. Well, that's the whole idea of, of the like the book and the movie Ready Player One is that we don't have pop culture anymore. That pop right. culture stopped in the 90s and we keep referencing things from then and we haven't developed our own. Agreed. Which is a very interesting mm. thing. I, I we, agree. We, have we live in dark times. Gen- no, it's just this generation is lazy <laughs> and unimaginative doesn't have their own you're welcome um, any so we, we we have to keep things moving but anything else that you want to say just overall about she's all that are you re- do you recommend people watch this do you, re- do you absolutely think it holds up? not okay there you go <laughs> i think you may be Moving responsible on. for the the Misogyny? glass the the glasses makeover where all she has to do is take her glasses off and immediately she's hot well in that <laughs> clip in in that clip we played during during the opening which is from not another teen movie that's the whole premise yeah, of not another of... teen movies they make fun of she's all that and so it's a young young captain america young chris evans playing the freddie prince jr role even says no what she has glasses and a ponytail and coveralls we can't like and just makes this big deal of it. and that movie is, is again it's only a year two years later not another teen movie came out in 2001 and still reference how ridiculous that movie they were was. self-aware in the 90s yeah. uh cruel intentions which was another uh taylor i rewatched re-watch. it last night this was like i really liked this movie a lot when i was 15 which probably says a lot about me as an individual i like no, i will i like this movie as a teenager as well um but i rewatched it last night and personally i have to say it does not stand up in the ways that the other movies on this list stand nope. up <laughs> in um, a couple very glaring ways i think yeah like i don't know like, i don't know it's hard to pinpoint like what's wrong with the movie i think um selma blair gives a very strange mm-hmm. performance and i don't know who was responsible like the things I want to say about this would not be PC, so I'm not going to, but all I can say is Selma Blair is a very strange performance, and I don't know who's responsible for it, and I feel like it would not fly today. Um, it's hard to talk about this movie, because I was even saying off-air when putting together that, that little montage of clips to open our show, I tried to put something in from Cruel Intentions, but couldn't. It's very, it's so... um, I don't, like, not like, 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 gross out, but like, or like crude's not even the right well, it's, it's, it's raunchy sec- it's, it's raunchy. very sexual that's the it's word very I'm raunchy. thinking of um, it's based on Dangerous Liaisons which is yeah. a book from like the 1700s <laughs> so um, I think it's like a fun movie to watch but I feel like in terms of um, themes and everything like <laughs> so would this fall into your category then that we talked about before of like this is a fun movie to watch at like a, a night with friends like you want to watch something to, to laugh at and kind of just watch, like would you throw cruel intentions into that category I feel like it's um, a movie that I would rewatch with girlfriends that I watched when I was 15 not to make fun of it but to be nostalgic mm. like I feel like it's a very specific rewatch type of movie um, I don't think like the acting is very good, which is weird considering that like I like Sarah Michelle Geller and can give a good performance. Mm-hmm. You're saying no as Buffy, I I don't think I've ever seen Sarah Michelle Geller in act well in so anything. So maybe I mean yeah, maybe she's not a good actress. I'm a Buffy fan, not, so again I can Buffy? look. The only thing is and Buffy. I think oh, that she's yeah. probably her personality she's is pretty herself. much yeah, she's playing herself cuz I honestly I mean, have like never seen much. her in, She's a terrible actor. Also, she, I will say she had a cameo and she's all that. Oh. Blink and you miss it. She's sitting in the lunchroom. Oh. <laughs> didn't know that. Okay. There's a lot of incestuous overlap I in think, this period. I think she was with Freddie Prince Jr. by that point. So they're okay. still okay. together. Yeah. A Hollywood love story. Yeah. But anyways, Cruel Intentions is probably one you can maybe skip. It's weird because it's being um, re-shown and like, re-aired yeah. in theaters. And I feel like it wasn't... 
Like, I liked it a lot when I was 15, but I don't think it merits a re-release. It's getting the big 20-year 20, 20 anniversary yeah. release thing that a lot of these other movies I haven't seen anything about yet. But, yeah, it's getting the big The big spectacle. to-do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Even, yeah. Just. Yeah, do yourself a favor. If you haven't seen Dangerous Liaisons or Valmont, and they came out the same year, so there's two adaptations of Dangerous Liaisons uh, in one year, um, and they're both excellent, excellent films, and see how that story should be told. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to move on to talk about American Pie, which is a movie I rewatched and I selected for myself. And if there's one movie from this list I wanted to talk about, it, it was this one. Because American Pie and the American Pie movies are, that's that's my teenage years. Like, I grew up with these movies. Did you relate to the boys? Um a little bit less so than than we talked about before with Superbad, where mm-hmm. I really felt a character connection. I didn't feel like I was very much like any of the main four guys that that kind of are, are this story revolves around. Um, because again, Jason Biggs' character, he's he's a little too spazzy. Yeah, a little too spazzy. Can we a still too, say spaz? Well, he, I, don't, I don't know. He's a little too <laughs> awkward. Did. He's a little, you know, he doesn't. I mean, he did, he did, just his in his dynamic the, with his dad, which is a very interesting one, is very funny. Again, I didn't really think that that really fit. And the other characters, again, they're all so specific. Like it's basically about these four friends. They enter a pact that they all want to lose their virginity by or on prom night. Yeah. That's the idea. So they're all going through trying to get. And one of them is in a relationship with somebody, but the other three are not. So it's kind of this. The, them searching for this and it being very important for them to do that before their high school time ends. But really, this story is about their friendship. It's about mm-hmm. the four of them and one, sp- the person who comes up with the bet, his, who's in, he's actually the one, the only one who was in a relationship for a long time by the time this bet came in. He's worried that they're going to, the friendship's going to be lost after high school, which I think is a very common thing for people to worry about going into to your final year. Like, as we go off to college in different places, are we going to, and a lot of people do, I think, lose friendships from that um and he pretty much creates this scenario and and makes it so important to everybody because he cares so much about connecting them in some way isn't he like a lacrosse player no one of the other ones is a lacrosse player. yeah so not even a football <laughs> again, lacrosse like is the so score 90, in this one <laughs> so preppy um but again i i think american pie has a lot of great things to do it again I it's, a, it's a comedy it's a lot of fun they're fun i I almost feel like the second one's better when I they're at the, the cottage. I love the second one. It's my favorite of, of yeah. all of them, the second one, which which came out just a couple years later in 2001. And I think, yeah, I think the Ameri- second American Pie movie was really good. But this is a good establishing. It gets you to know the characters. It kind of opens you into this world of, of them sort of discovering themselves and other people. And then American Pie 2, I think, takes off from there. It's how mm-hmm. I feel about X, the first X-Men movie and the second X-Men movie. I think the first X-Men movie is a good establisher, but the second one is really really takes off. And does a lot with it. So I love American Pie. I highly recommend watching it. I think it's a lot of a lot of fun. If you were to date a pie, any pie, which pie would you date? <laughs> In terms of- <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's good. This is a topic for another show. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this this belongs nowhere on this show. Okay. Moving on to varsity blues, which okay. I assigned to Matt on purpose. Because I like this movie. <laughs> this is kind of like when Taylor assigned to you Paris is Burning. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, surprise, I had never seen Varsity Blues. And uh, I'm going to try and sum up um, what I thought of it. Um, so the opening shot was this like 
these long lingering shot of the Texas flag and then these <laughs> stoic images of Americana out of like a Folgers crystals commercial. Is this supposed to be a spoof or is it like no, it's dead serious. No, it's it's no serious. not at all. This is like every straight boy's fantasy film. Um, so like, so Jane, so this is set in like, okay, so it's like East Canaan, Texas and James Vanderbeek um, West Canaan. is um, Dawson, is Dawson's was Dawson, Dawson, Dawson's, Dawson's, Dawson's yeah, Creek, Dawson's Creek yeah. with a ridiculous Texas accent, ridiculous. Um, um, and he has like the quirky little brother, and and they, it's weird. The little brother is introduced into the into the film by coming in, waking up his brother um, a, on a crucifix. He's he's tied himself to a cross, um, and uh, we learn later that the little brother's just quirky and he's into like different religions. So it's not just Christianity. He's yeah. he's trying he's a, them out. Yeah, yeah he's trying yeah, out he's all exploring. kinds of new. He's experimenting. Um, and uh, Paul Walker's back, so that was helpful. Uh, playing playing uh, a golden boy, which is mm-hmm. a stretch for Paul Walker. Uh, star quarterback. <laughs> he's the star quarterback. I see. I even wrote linebacker. I mean, no, it's not a line. No, it's the same thing, right? No. <laughs> um, okay. Um, there's a beloved obese boy with a pig named Bacon. Uh, is the boy named Bacon or no, the, the pig? pig? Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> no, the pig. The pig. The, I think pig. the boy's name is Billy Bob. Billy Bob. What? Billy Bob. Yeah. Okay, I'm right. Okay. I was joking, but you know, apparently it is. Um, there's. Uh, it was nice to hear Green Day again, mm-hmm. um, prominent on the soundtrack. So John Voight, uh, aka Angelina, Angelina Jolie's dad, <laughs> and perhaps the nicest guy in Hollywood. <laughs> Because he goes and talks to people when they go to crowds. Anyways, that's that's another story as well. Um, he says things like, "So I wrote some quotes because I got bored of the movie, and even though I watched it, I totally forgot what it was what was happening." So here's some of the quotes that I, that I heard from Varsity Blues. This is from John Voight, who plays the evil coach, who's basically drugging. He's sort of like a Frankenstein character. He's basically drugging the boys mm-hmm. with steroids. Yeah, and they're injuring themselves and, and forcing them to play when they shouldn't be. Like he's so intense on winning yeah it's and like james vanderbeek is the, the backup quarterback he's the third stringer i think too like i think he was he's like he's down the line he so he's not even... good no he is good, no, good. it's just yeah. like they love paul walker yeah <laughs> when you have a star quarterback you'd never give the others an opportunity and plus so he's he, he'd rather read uh slaughterhouse rules yeah. than the playbook yeah. he's um sensitive. he's sensitive <laughs> oh my god so here's here's some here's some lines tonight <laughs> we play Babo tonight. We Babo Bo. That's what I heard. Um, coyotes are coming to burn the house down. Um, also, um, Jesus, them boys is having the times of their lives, and makes me wonder if you know the difference between a sneeze and a wet fart. <laughs> Um, I would watch. I would watch a movie so of you good. just doing like a script. I want to watch this movie with you. <laughs> I just want to hear your commentary. Uh, and I, I would like to also just say that Scott Kahn is in the movie, and James Kahn's son, uh, and uh, he plays the. I don't know what position he plays, but he just plays like the horny friend, mm-hmm. and uh, who likes to moon people all the time. And uh, at one point, he steals a police car and shows up, pulls up to the 7-Eleven naked with two other girls in the police car, also naked, uh, offering James Vanderbeek a a ride. Um, 
I say if you want a similar story that's told well, uh, please watch Friday Night Lights, the <laughs> film one or of my mom's, the TV show. One of my mom's favorites with <laughs> yeah. Ryan Gosling. I mean, Gosling. Friday Night Lights and Remember the Titans are superior oh. football movies, but I think Varsity Blues, you know, it brings in that that human element, you know? It brings in that. I'm pretty sure there's a human element. <laughs> it's a <laughs> distinct human element. Uh, one that prob- probably the humans that vote for Trump. Um, <laughs> also, Mike, t- uh, I have a trivia question mm-hmm. for you. Uh, speaking of Friday Night Night Lights yes. and Varsity Blues. Yeah. Can you point out the other than like the story? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know that there's a direct correlation there between the TV show Friday Night Lights and Varsity Blues? Now I haven't watched the TV show. Oh, so I've only seen the movie Friday Night Lights. But does it does it correlate to the injuries? So Paul, no, Paul Walker's little brother in Varsity Blues, mm-hmm. uh, who's this very small role, yeah, yeah. Um, is played by Jesse Plemons, who who's was in... also Friday Night Lights. Oh, and I it's didn't funny know that. because he's like maybe ten, if that, in wow. Varsity Blues. Destined but I recognized him right football. away. Absolutely, it's so weird. <laughs> Now, now, what did you think of the big emotional scene between James Vanderbeek and his father? Do you know what I'm talking about? Can you insert crickets here? I can insert. Here, listen. <laughs> you're going to hear Tony Stark, but then you're going to hear a line. Just hold on. Okay. I don't want your life. You remember that scene? <laughs> I, I must won't. have like gone to the bathroom. It was neat. okay. So it, it is. It is sort of like later in the movie, close to that. They're having an argument about how basically this story also goes into fathers and their sons because you meet Paul Walker's father and James Vanderbeek's father, and they compete over how their sons are doing in in football. And there's this huge argument that happens as is one of the climaxes of a movie where James Vanderbeek basically says. You know, this is your life. I don't want your life. I want my life. But he says it in that accent, and I think it's hilarious. He also smokes him in the head with the football. Yes, he does. The the climax that I thought of was, and yeah, I I don't know how I missed that, was was the conversation between him and the coach. Yes, yeah. Which that, now that happened, yeah, that happens in the locker room. Which was satisfying. Yes. And I also expected Billy Bob to die, which I was kind of disappointed he didn't. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what they were honest. setting it up for that to happen. But. And then, they, yeah, and they didn't meet the audience's expectations. <laughs> I have nothing to say because I've never seen this well. movie. And and you never should. I never will. I have it if you'd like to borrow it. I think it's a hard pass. <laughs> okay. So there you go. That's Any any last words on Varsity Blues, Matt? <laughs> okay, moving on. Um, I can kill your mic, so just stop. Um, we're going to quickly, quickly, quickly talk about American Beauty, even though we sort of disagree. We don't think it's a teen movie. Yeah, t- t- Taylor and Matt don't think it's a teen movie. I agree with what you said, especially thinking about it more. I agree with what you said off air. Yes, it's not really a teen movie. The, the aspect of it that I thought was very interesting, and in rewatching it, it's a smaller B-plot, but it is still interesting to me, is, is the relationship between um, him and his daughter and the daughter and her sort of like weird boyfriend creepy friend guy with the camera like that has a very teen but if it was a teen movie they would have been they would have been the main characters yes i agree with that yeah not kevin spacey yeah Yeah. but i will say on on rewatching it the movie is still 
pretty think, phenomenal. You think it holds up? I do think it. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack with that movie outside of the actual movie. Um, but just looking at the film itself, yeah, I think there's a lot of really interesting things in there, and a lot of interesting topics that are covered. But I did find that relationship between him and his daughter, and this sort of like the creepy guy who films this bag for no reason for twenty. Like that was very much of that teenage yeah. years. Like those characters were very much a reflection of of a certain the type angsty, of angsty grungy. teen, which I don't think gets represented a lot in some of these other movies which really does make a big appearance in american beauty yeah you don't really see any grunge kids in these movies no not really kind of cat and 10 things i hate about you the burnout and clueless but even then like not to this level of like this basically it's the art like quote-unquote artsy kid yeah he's all in black he's a film student he he's obsessed with film He's got these, I, I think that that's like a very interesting dynamic that was missing from some of the other mu- movies that really plays it in American Beauty. Interestingly, interestingly, in the think pieces I've been reading about 99, American Beauty is often lumped in with Fight Club. They're mm. kind of considered... I think Fight Club's better. The same, two sides of the same coin in terms of like the portrayal of masculinity in the, like the late... 20th century and where it's destined to be and where it's going so that's something that i need to kind of unpack a little bit because on first glance i wouldn't really think of fight club but i can see it i'm gonna think about it more but i can see it i mean i think fight club has has slightly more of a message of warning in it though i mean that's the one thing is like i don't Except, think it unfortunately most young boys who watch fight club yes. do not take it as a no warning. i'm sure but but again I, I but again i come from the realm of when you watch a movie you don't just take it as surface you dissect it you talk to people and you have parents and teachers who are their job is to educate you on things and you don't grow up on movies but i know that's not every that's, i know that's not you aren't a four channer i know <laughs> but but i'm just saying that i have no choice but to look at it from the perspective of i understand a movie is fake and i'm not just going to emulate what's there but i count on those around me to help learn and teach but i know that's not always true that usually people just go oh yeah okay this whatever we should move on from toxic toxic masculinity what are other movies do we have so uh 2000 to 2001 saw down to you never heard of this movie uh, it's okay. Bring it on. Save <laughs> the last movie. dance. American Pie two, and of course, not another teen movie, which sort of ends that that era um, of of movies. Bring it on was my family's first DVD. I just wanted everyone to know that. That's how good of a movie it is. I thoroughly enjoy that film. Yeah, I like Bring It On. I think Bring It On really stands up. Mm-hmm. Again, Missy's the poo, so take a big whiff. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> um but the rest of them i mean yeah down to you is is okay but didn't really do anything american pie 2 we've talked about like i think it's really good save the last dance you were saying taylor that it's this, a part of its own yeah, subgenre, subgenre of teen dance movies <laughs> that were very popular at that time um center stage stomp the yard step up <laughs> stub your toes i don't know stomp why that was like a thing but i distinctly remember teen dance movies its own yeah its own thing. yeah yeah and i think there's a movie that's like very similar to save the last dance i can't remember the name of it but like it's very similar i feel like because my sister used to watch it a lot but I might be conflating with like all those other dance. I movies. think there was two films that came out around the same time that all had something surrounding a tragedy on the way to Juilliard. <laughs> <laughs> like it's basically like a it was like a red flag to anyone who had applied to Juilliard to be very careful on your way 
to Juilliard. Your best dance foot may it's, be broken. Yeah, or like, yeah, like the roads to Juilliard are like very hazardous. They need some stop signs in there or something. <laughs> yes, because every, everyone's dream. <laughs> Especially at that time, like I think, I think that was also a common theme of like you're going to somewhere prestigious in your mind and it's about the struggle to get there. And I think just dance was something that hadn't been represented. Because it had, like, we were joking, but it had been football forever. Yeah. Really, it'd been it'd been the sport of football, and then I think dance maybe just. Had I don't its know time. why it it did, but know. there was a ton of dance movies. <laughs> was a lot of them. And who was? Someone launched their career with um, a big dance movie. You just said Channing Tatum, it. Channing Tatum did Step Up. Yeah. Before that's post stripper, pre <laughs> pre whatever he did. I don't know. Well, once again. We have used up all of our time. No headlines. No headlines Boo. because we have like 15 seconds left, but we keep doing this. Um, no Taylor next week, everybody. That's Taylor true. will be gone. So next week is our Star Trek episode with our official Star Trek correspondent, Taylor, uh, Tyler Vance is his name. Uh, he, he will be joining me next week. Matt laughed and it made me screw up there. But it's, it's a Star Trek episode. It's going to be great. Tyler has big shoes to big fill. Big shoes to fill. Okay, so we will see everyone next week. Thank you, Matt, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Uh, Go see some movies. <laughs>